in the book of First Chronicles, chapter 12, verse 32, the Bible talks about a group of men, the sons of Issachar. These men were part of God's mighty men. It was 200 of them, and they understood the times, and they knew exactly what needed to be done. family what's going on friends my name is john rushemeza this is kingdom exploits thank you thank you so much for joining me today i want to conclude my series with regards to education and the fact that we have to take our children out and the fact that we not only have to take our children out we have to build our own schools or we have to provide other ways in which people can educate their children because it is still true that education is a powerful tool that can be used to change the world. And so if we want to be effective in the world around us, as the church, as Christians, we have to be educated. We have to educate our young. We also cannot give up on the public education and the public square at large. Kingdom exploits exist to proclaim and defend the truth, the kingdom truth, in the public square and to inspire others to do the same. Again, the Bible in the book of Chronicles talks about the sons of Issachar, men who had an understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. This series has been an, uh, my attempt to communicate to whoever will hear this that we are in a time where we have to do something specific. Let me be clear. There has always been men throughout history who understood the times. These men were always there to shout from the rooftops, telling others, telling the people of God, hey, you need to do this. You shouldn't be doing that. Hey, you need to do this. Stop doing that. Hey, don't do that. Do this instead. Those men and women, they're either listened to and things go well for the people or they're not listened to and things go really badly for the people. We find ourselves in the situation, folks, and the situation is that the country, this country, and remember that what happens here in America is eventually exported to the rest of the world. So all the madness and confusion that we see here is also simultaneously being transported to the rest of the world. The people who receive funds in the form of aid from America, they don't just receive money. They also receive instructions on things that they have to do, things that they have to change in their governments and in their politics. And so the ideologies that are destroying America from within are also being simultaneously sent around the world. This is why, as Americans, as the church here in America, we have to wake up, we have to do something different. Again, education is the most powerful weapon which can be used to change the world, said Mandela. I believe the secularists understand this, and that's why they have done all that they can up to this point to not only force 
everyone to send their children in one place to educate, but to also control what their children are being taught. This is the most genius move in the entire history of civilization. And at the same time, this is the biggest drop for the church. It's a big drop because we decided to trust the secularists, to hand over this responsibility to the, the secularists. One of my episodes, I was able to outline that the secular elites invested a lot of money to make this happen, to take over education, because they understood that the world that they wanted to see, that the world that their they wanted their children and their children's children to live in was going to be brought about by taking over education and educating a bunch of children in the way that they wanted them to go. The Bible commands us to teach a child in the way he should go. This is a commandment from God. And it says that when, they're, they're, they're grow, when they grow up, they will not depart from it. The Bible also, in the words of Jesus, it says that the teacher is not above, or the student is not above his teacher. And that when someone is fully trained, they end up becoming like their teacher. The secularists understood this. The humanists understood this. And so the biggest thing they wanted to do in order to change the world at the core was to remove Christianity, to remove orthodox Christianity from the center and replace it with another religion. We've already outlined that according to Antonio Gramsci, Antonio Gramsci was a Marxist philosopher from Italy who, when he realized that Karl Marx's revolution did not happen, he had the theory of why it didn't happen. And the theory was, well, it, the, the revolution is not going to come as long as the people are all Christians, they're all being trained to obey God and go by this Protestant work ethic. He ends up saying socialism is precisely the religion that must overwhelm Christianity. In other words, Christianity had to be overwhelmed. Now, we know this is a fool's errand with regards to Christianity across the world because Jesus himself said that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. But here, what he's talking about is what needs to be done in order for them to succeed. They'll never fully succeed, but they'll succeed in certain pockets of the world. And so far here in America, they have succeeded by using this formula. Socialism is precisely the religion that must overwhelm Christianity. In the New World Order, socialism will triumph by first capturing culture via infiltration of schools, universities, churches, the media, by transforming the consciousness of society. They wanted to transform the consciousness of society in order to bring about socialism, which is the, the, what ends up becoming communism. But the point here is clear. They needed to infiltrate schools, university schools, and the church, and the media. They've already infiltrated all these places. But the one way they were going to do it is by infiltrating the schools first. It's by infiltrating K through 12 first. 
is by taking God, pretty much, out of these places. By convincing Christians that, hey, let's not make it about God, because making it about God then means that, you know, you are excluding the people who are atheists and don't believe in God, so let's make it neutral. They lie to us. When in fact, it cannot, it can never be neutral. Nothing is. So now at this time, again at the conclusion of this series, I am proposing that we do something very difficult. In the Bible, Mordecai appeals to Esther in chapter 4, the book of Esther. And he tells Esther, hey, the enemy of our people has conspired to destroy us. I can't do nothing from out here, but you are in a position in the royal palace as queen to be able to do something. This was a hard thing. Esther responded to Mordecai saying, hey, this is a very, very difficult thing. She said, all the servants of the king and the people of the king's provinces know that there was only one law applicable to any man or woman who comes uninvited to the king in the inner court. That person will be put to death unless the king extends to him the gold scepter, permitting him to be spared. Now, I have not been invited to come to the king for some 30 days. When Mordecai heard this, he told the people to, to tell Esther these words. Don't imagine that because you're part of the king's household, you will be the one Jew who will escape. If you keep quiet at this time, liberation and protection for the Jews will appear from another source while you and your father's household perish. It may very well be that you have achieved royal status for such a time as this. In other words, don't sleep on the wheel. Don't get too comfortable. Don't think for one second that once these people fully achieve what they set out to be, that they're going to spare you because you said nothing. Because you decided to stay within your four walls and maybe educate your own children, but did nothing, nothing else. God has given us a gift here in America, and we have to preserve it. One way to preserve it is through education. I believe we have been placed on this earth, in this place, at this time, for a reason, for this very reason. Finally, we are the ones who are going to do something meaningful about this. We are the ones who, are, who is going to convince the entire church, the evangelical community, to remove our kids together, collectively, from the public schools. We have to. We have to. We have to. If we're going to be effective, we have to take our children. We have to convince our neighbors to take their children. We have to build up schools. We have to build up uh, uh, um, alternative resources for education. We cannot, we cannot, we cannot continue to send children to these places. It was difficult for Esther. It is difficult for us. What I'm proposing is not for the faint of heart. It's going to cost something. It's going to bring a, a lot of pressure from the community around us. It's going to bring a lot of pressure even from our own families. Some of you are teachers in these public schools. You believe in what you do. 
you believe that what needs to be done is reform and that we do not need to do something else. What I'm proposing, what I've been trying to propose in this series is that if we're going to talk reform, then we're going to have to change the entire system from ground up. That's reform. We're going to have to bring the education system from what it once was, which it was an institution that belonged to the church. It was an institution enforced by the church, enforced with Judeo-Christian, biblical Christian principles. Education was seen as one of the ways we're going to fulfill God's great commission. If you want reform, that's what reform looks like. Can that happen? Yes, it can. But maybe that's, what, that's not what needs to happen in this time because this beast has grown so big that it's going to be difficult to bring it down. And maybe we bring it down, but as we fight it, we have to bring our children out and give them alternative solutions or an alternative way to be educated. The bottom line is, even if you're asking for reform, we cannot keep our kids in there as we fight for reform. That's backwards. Why is this going to be for the front of heart? Because it's going to cost us money and time. It's going to cost you money because you might have to stay home and depend on one income to educate your own children, which I think this is the best possible solution for Christians and everyone else for that matter. Whether you agree with my politics or not, I think you're better off keeping your children at home and educating them yourself. Because materialism is what tells us, oh, no, 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 we both have to work because we have to buy that car or that house. No. The most important thing, as, as important as a house is, the most important is, actually is educating your children and being there with them, spending the, uh, the uh, a maximum amount of time with them as they grow up. Not handing them over to the government or someone else for that matter to look after for you. So it's going to be very hard. And this one reason may very well be the reason most people won't do it. May very well be the reason the church won't touch it. Because it's hard. You propose something like this, you have to give answers. You have to give solutions. Some people can't do it. A lot of people who would love to take their children out of these schools cannot. And I think it's the responsibility of the church to provide a solution. This is going to be one of the hardest undertaking of our generation. The humanists fought really hard to take it out from under us, from under the church. Very hard for a long time. What we're seeing today, the result we're looking at today, is a result of probably 150 years in the making. It's going to be hard because Marxists, the, the progressive secular humanists, they finally see their revolution. It's within grasp. They have done the work. They have taken over the most important institutions. They have all the big guns of culture. Big pharma, big tech, big media, big business. They are all towing the line for the progressive humanists. Which goes to show then, in my opinion, that if schools, Christian schools, start springing up all over the place, which is what I want to see happen. This is what I believe the kind of revival we're looking for, the kind of reformation in the church. 
is that every church or a group of churches in every community will come together and put some money together to start a school for the children in their churches, first and foremost, but the children in that community to send their children to. When this starts to happen, trust me, the secular humanists are not just going to sit by. The NAE that we talked about in, in this series, the, the, the American Federation of Teachers, and all these other entities, Planned Parenthood, the Human Rights Campaign, they're not just going to sit by and let that happen because they understand one thing, and they understand it well. Okay? And it is this, again, in the words of Nelson Mandela, education is the most powerful weapon you can use to change the world. Isn't it interesting that Christians can say that, okay, and secularists can say that. And we both can be talking about changing the world to look a certain way that is not the same. But it's true in both ways. That is a neutral statement in itself. That statement will mean what the person saying it intends to mean. What do you want to change the world to look like? Do you want a collectivist? secularist, secular humanistic world? Yes. Do you want a world that is operating in according to God's law and God's instructions in his book? God's morality and ethics? So secularists are saying that, and I'm not saying that Nelson Mandela was a secularist, I don't know. But for sure, Christians need to start shouting that from the rooftop, and we need to start understanding it through the biblical lens, because the Bible commands us to educate our young. Another point I've been making in this series is that it makes no sense for us to separate, to divide education into two parts. Spiritual education is for the church, and the rest of education is for the secularists. No, the church, again, in the beginning, in the founding of this country, the church was in charge of the entire education system. Whatever you want it to be, you want to be a doctor, you are educated in Christian institutions. You want to be a lawyer, Christian institutions. You want to be a pastor, Christian institutions. Because education was seen, and rightly so, as one of the ways we're going to fulfill God's commission. Which is also part of going into the world, subduing the world. And also making disciples of the nations and commanding them to live in the way, teaching them you have to disciple them and teach them to live according to what God has commanded. You cannot trust the secularists to do that for us because when you send your children to go and learn math and English, they're not just learning math and English. They can't. It's impossible. They have to use stories. They have to, they have to insert morality in there somehow. And to be honest, whenever you start teaching if you do not start with, in the beginning, God created everything, Genesis 1.1. If you do not start there, then you miss the whole point. Your, your foundation is skewed to begin with. That's why we have to take over education. We have to understand this. I want this to be drilled into people's minds. The secular humanists that are in control, in power right now of the most important institutions of the world, in order for them to see the world that they envision, they need our children. They need your children. You need to understand this. In order for, for them to have this transgender revolution to come to fruition, 
For real, for real. In ways that it hasn't yet. In order for this to become accepted in society, in order for us to move on from this, as we have largely from sexual immorality in general, pornography, and now homosexuality. Okay? We, we, we don't talk about this stuff anymore. This is accepted. TV shows, you know, a, a lot of times I'm watching a TV show and I hear this stuff, uh, you know, because I'm seeing things with new eyes now. But we dismiss it. Hey, that's the world. That's how things are now. No, that's not how things are. It is too wrong and we have to condemn it loudly whenever we see it. Our children need to hear us condemning these things. This is how we educate them. But the schools are not going to do that. Because the schools are part of this whole change where that's not a problem anymore. If it's two consenting adults, it doesn't matter. But they need our children. Again, they need to convince entire generations like they have already. Okay, They, they flood the TV with all these immoral behaviors until it was accepted and mainstreamed. Divorce is no longer something to be frowned upon today. Why? Because Hollywood and these other institutions, including education, made it something that is, okay, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we do. When you're not happy in your situation anymore, you just walk out. It's, it's have it your way type of lifestyle. But they teach this in school. At least they don't undermine it, and they should. As you raise children to become a certain kind of adults, a certain kind of voters, certain kinds of leaders in the society. You have to train them intentionally. And the world does. They know what they're doing. So yes, they need our children. But these are our children. God has entrusted these children with us. And he has commanded us to Matthew 28, make disciples. It's got to start with your own children. And Again, I, I, I do not see how you're going to make disciples by teaching your children how to read the Bible and what it says and also sending them to be trained by the government. That's called syncretism, and it doesn't work, and it's dangerous. There is a series of, of uh, videos, I think it comes from a book by Francis Schaeffer that he did, in the, I believe, in the 70s or 80s. And in this series, he's going through history to show how Western civilization was established and how it has fallen or it is falling. This was in the 80s. You may have noticed I like to read and listen to things from the past because I want to understand why we're where we are today. This is an important exercise for the church. And in this series, Francis Schaeffer outlines how Western civilization is in the place that it is today. And the most important point that I took away from that series so far is this, that one way of thinking was removed and replaced by another way of thinking. One way of thinking, which was the biblical Judeo-Christian way of thinking, removed, and a secular humanist way was replaced by it. This is why we find ourselves in this predicament. And it all starts or is cemented by education. So we have to stand. We have to see this for, for exactly what it is. We have to be the sons of Issachar and understand the times and what ought to be done. God 
placed us here for such a time as this to shine our light in this very critical moment. And if you want revival, if you want reformation for the church, I believe this is a very good place to start. It's by reclaiming education. But we have to be courageous because it's going to cost us greatly. And it's a price we should pay willingly and gladly for the next generations. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 31, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes before you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses, for you must go with these people into the land the Lord has swore to their ancestors to give them. You must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. The reason why Moses was giving this speech is because Joshua was not just going to walk into the land and, and all the doors will be open, nobody will be there, everybody will just surrender everything. No. There was going to be a lot of trusting God in the process and submitting to God's word. There was going to be a lot of war happening, actual fighting and, and killing happening. And this required courage. The Bible in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13, it says, Be watchful, stand faith in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let me just say there that what I'm proposing in this series will not happen Unless the men stand up. Men. Yes. Women are important. And women are critical for this to happen. Because women are usually a lot of times the primary educators. Because men go out to hunt. Women stay home. And so part of staying home is educating the children. But men need to stand up. Men need to take the lead in this. And the Bible tells us to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. And to lean not in our own understanding. It says that in your way, you must submit to him and he will make your path straight. We have to do something. I have a video from Sovereign Nations. I believe this is a ministry by Michael O'Fallon. He has been instrumental in exposing a lot of these philosophies and, and deceptions in society today. But one of the things that he's been able to do is invite other people, other thinkers in the community to put together different talks explaining what's really happening and what we need to do about it. One of the people there in one of these talks was Charlie Kirk. Okay, and Charlie Kirk at some point in this talk said things that to me was like, whoa, this needs to be heard. This needs to be shouted from the rooftop because this is exactly what we must do. This is exactly how we have to start thinking. The time for playing games is over. Listen up. Let me kind of just make sure we all know what time it is. So that I, I judge a politician based on how they tell the time, not obviously that metaphorically. What time is it? Do you really still think we live in a country where live and let live is a thing? And this is what drives me nuts about some older conservatives where they say, Charlie, why do you talk about the trans thing so much? I said, well, you still think we live in 1996. So you still think we live in a country where it's all about tolerance. So here's the spectrum, right? First, you must tolerate something, mandatory tolerance. Okay, fine, sure, I tolerate it. Then it's mandatory acceptance. You must agree with it. But then it's mandatory celebration. Like you must then, no, no, then it's mandatory participation. What time is it? We are now transitioning from mandatory celebration to mandatory participation. Where that if you're a baseball player and you don't want to wear the patch on the sleeve in the Tampa Bay Rays, you're not allowed to play in the baseball game. Mandatory celebration, mandatory participation. 
So what time is it exactly? And we've done a lot of podcasts on this, and this is why I, I can't stand neoliberalism at its core in the Republican Party. I think liberals can be very nice people, but they're so weak and naive. I used to be one, honestly. I was. Not a liberal, as you might think, but like a neoliberal libertarian that we can all kind of live and let live, and I won't interfere with your life, and you won't interfere with mine. What a lie! Are you kidding me? They put guns on our head. We're like, oh, actually, I'm going to let you do whatever you want. Actually, they're the ones that are willing to use force against us all the time. And we're supposed to believe that we're still in kind of this live and let live atmosphere. Look, live and let live works if both sides agree to it. It has to be a mutual detente. They crossed that a long time ago. They realized the power of the state, the power of force, while most Republicans and conservatives live in this kind of fake kind of, um, let's just say, paradigm that might have existed 40 or 50 years ago, but I even doubt that. But that, let's just pretend that it used to exist. So what time is it? That's the question I always ask our leaders. And so the question is, what time is it? And for the purposes of this, this video, what he's saying is obviously for the public square in general, but I want to say this to apply it to education. And, and one of the things about Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA is that they actually agree with what I'm saying in this series. Okay, in fact, that's one of the resources I'm going to share here in a few minutes. But they agree with me. What he's saying is, what time is it? Is it time to give more money to the, to the school system, to the Department of Education? I don't think so. I don't think so. Is it time uh, to continue sending our children to these schools even as we... we uh, fight to bring about changes? I don't think so. And yes, we got duped. Even, he's talking about the sexual revolution specifically, but with regards to the entire idea of educating our children and allowing the government to force it and impose this on every parent, they have to send their children, they have to follow the standards created by the government. All this stuff were first suggested, then it was required that we participate and at this point, if you listen to, to entities like UNESCO and, the, and, and the, uh, uh, other government or non-governmental entities around the world that are focused on education, they want us, they don't want to take their foot off the gas. They want more money towards this stuff. They, they, they have changed how they educate in such a way that they want to change truly, like, like Antonio Gramsci said, the consciousness of society. And we have to fight back. And what Charlie Kirk is saying is, let leave and let leave means, no, I think the school is, is doing a good job. We just, we, we just need to, well, you know, I, I want my kids to get the experience that I did in high school. Really? If you're my age, the high school of your day is not even the same as the high school today. And I'm not old. When I listen to some of the things that are happening in these high schools today, it is terrifying. And you, you hear this stuff not only from critics, you hear this stuff from actual teachers in these environments that are liberals and progressives who are walking away saying, yeah, I can't do that anymore. The environment is bad. We have to do something. I was listening to President Trump talk about what he's going to do if he becomes president again. As you guys know, I voted for Trump in the last election, I thought he was the better candidate, even with his flaws, okay, which are many. And he said, 
Left-wing gender insanity being pushed on our children is an act of child abuse. Very simple. Here's my plan to stop the chemical, physical, and emotional mutilation of our youth. On day one, I will revoke Joe Biden's cruel policies on so-called gender-affirming care. Ridiculous. A process that includes giving kids puberty blockers, mutating their physical appearance, and ultimately performing surgery on minor children. Can you believe this? I will sign a new executive order instructing every federal agency to cease all programs that promote the concept of sex and gender transition at any age. I will then ask Congress to permanently stop federal taxpayer dollars from being used to promote or pay for these procedures and pass a law prohibiting child sexual mutilation in all 50 states. It'll go very quickly. I will declare that any hospital or healthcare provider that participates in the chemical or physical mutilation of minor youth will no longer meet federal health and safety standards for Medicaid and Medicare and will be terminated from the program immediately. I don't know that you're going to be able to accomplish that. I think that is a good thing if you try to do that. I think based on his track record before, I think he would go and try to make it happen. I just don't know that he would accomplish that. Especially, especially, not if the church is not involved in the process. And as you notice, I'm not looking to a politician. I am not looking to a politician to bring about the changes that I'm proposing. Uh, yes, I want us to vote for the people that will at least clear the way for us or not put any obstacles like the NAE. Because if you vote for Democrats, you're empowering the NAE and they're going to block this vision. Again, education is a powerful tool, the most powerful weapon which can be used to change the world. The world is as it is today. I, I have to stress this point several times to get, to get through to somebody. In case you just jumped in on this video, you don't know what's happening. The world is the way it is today because of a certain group that were allowed to take over education. This group of people were inspired by a man named Antonio Gramsci, who said socialism is precisely the religion. Notice socialism is a religion according to Antonio Gramsci. So any socialist today who would not, who would say, well, no, that's not, no, 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 you're lying to yourself. Antonio Gramsci is the father of cultural Marxism. He is more of a Marxist than your average Marxist today. He is probably more of a Marxist than the founders of Black Lives Matter, than the architects of critical race theory. Because Antonio Gramsci is the one who gets to inspire the Frankfurt School, which is the one that brings critical, race, uh, critical theory to America, which is the grandfather or the father of critical theory, among other demonic ideologies, like, like, like queer theory and other critical theories. He said socialism is precisely the religion that must overwhelm Christianity. In the new order, socialism will triumph by first capturing the culture via infiltration of schools, universities, churches, and the media by transforming the consciousness of society. This is what is called, known as the long march through the institutions. And again, you see the world you see today. 
as a result of the people that were educated by this guy and his followers, who are also followers of Karl Marx. So these guys are followers of Karl Marx. His followers are the founders or the, the people in the Frankfurt School who are then brought to America, to Columbia University, by John Dewey to change the consciousness of the American society. By doing what? Overwhelming Christianity with another religion. By capturing the culture via infiltration of the schools. So, again, you have to understand the times. One way to understand the times is by learning history, learning church history, learning the history of this country and how Christianity, the role that Christianity played in the establishment of this country and the educational systems in this country. If you want to understand how we have come to where we are today, my series didn't even do it justice. You have to do a lot more research, but my series was kind of giving you a, 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 an introductory ideas of how we ended up here. But now that we're here, now what? I want to leave us with a resource, okay? And this is a resource called Turning Point Academy Association. It is an association by Turning Point. Turning Point is an organization that Charlie Kirk founded. And this is an organization that is doing exactly what I'm proposing. So I'm going to do an episode outlining some of the things that this, this particular resource is doing. And I'm not trying to say that everybody should join this association, although I would encourage people to join it because I, I am a part of it. Right? This is just a place where you come to learn, to get resources if you want to start a school or if you want to educate your children at home. You'll find the resources here. But there's others. There's thousands of resources, free and some of them cost money. But Turning Point Academy says this. These are the things that you have to agree to if you want to be a part of this. You have to agree. There's a God. He is not man or man-made. That automatically removes the humanist idea. There is a God, and he is not you. God is the creator of the universe and reigns supreme. Genesis 1.1. That's corrected. Teaching of God's truth and virtue is the beginning of wisdom and is the best defense against destructive ideologies. There are two sexes, male and female, two genders, man and woman. Marriage is between one man and woman. One man and one woman. All life is sacred, beginning at conception. All people are created equal and in the image of God. The epicenter of a child's formation is the family. The church, schools, community exist to serve God and the family. Let me just stop there and say, your school, your public school does not. Even if you say, yeah, all the teachers at my school, I know them, they're all Christian, we go to the same church. It still belongs to the government. They are still doing the bidding of a secular humanist government. The curriculum is created by them. And one day when they choose to, here soon, they're going to impose what they need to impose. If you refuse, they take the funding out. And if they take the funding out, that school cannot stand. If they go out to destroy it, it's not going to stand. If you decide to build your own school in, in, in its place, then you've just created a, pri a pri private school, which is what I'm proposing to begin with. The founding ideals of the United States, freedom, equality, liberty, opportunity, and democracy are essential to teach, model, and preserve. Not socialism. 
socialism is antithetical to those principles and ideals. Working together, advocating for virtuous education is critical for a flourishing society. I say it again. Working together, advocating for a virtuous education is critical for a flourishing society. Okay? Again, education is the most powerful weapon you can use to change the world. Nelson Mandela. Christian, do you want to change the world? If you want to change the world, if you really want to be effective in fulfilling the Great Commission, you have to fight to keep your children educated from a biblical worldview. Even if they grow up to reject the faith, at least you have done your due diligence by keeping the main thing, the main thing, their entire life. Outsourcing this task to the government for a number of hours a week and a good chunk of time a year, every year, for 12 years, is not effective. It is not effective now, but it has not been for a long time. The people that fought against the idea of public education, government, the government being in control of education, they fought it by saying, hey, look, right now it sounds great, but once the government realizes what they have in their hands, once the secular government realizes what they have in their hands, this is going to be the biggest mistake. When we're here now, I was just listening about social and emotional learning from a group called the Cassell or something and how social and emotional learning is the vehicle they're going to use to infuse critical race theory. Now, mind you, I've heard this already from critics. I was like, okay, well, these are critics, so I have to kind of be careful because I'd, it, this came out of their own mind. I'm going to do an episode about that also by the grace of God. But where we stand today, we're talking about almost every school has social and emotional learning and it's been slipped in there under the guise of, well, it's social and emotional learning. Who doesn't want their kids? Well, here we are. Now you've given them another opportunity for them to brainwash your kids. So the government schools are not working. They're not working for the church. This message is for the church. Government education is not working for the goals of the church. The church has a goal. The evangelical church has goals, which is to evangelize society. One way to do that is to take over education and evangelize these children from early on. The same way, okay, let me say this in my conclusion. The world wants to evangelize your children towards their ideologies. Everybody's evangelizing. Remember, what Antonio Gramsci said, he said socialism is a religion. The way they're going to capture the culture, they're going to infiltrate the schools and evangelize to the people in those schools. So we need to do the same. We need to flip that sentence and say Christianity is precisely the religion that is going to overwhelm, that must overwhelm socialism. Now you turn that sentence, this is exactly what I'm proposing. We have to, and, and how are we going to do that? Christianity will triumph by first capturing the culture via schools, churches, and the media. The schools is the place to start. It's a good place to start. But it's not the place to end. It's just a start. 
ultimately, you don't just stand on the sideline and do nothing. That's all I got to say. Thank you so much for joining me today. Again, my name is John Oshemeza. If you have been tracking with me in this series, thank you so much. Please share this. Share your thoughts with me. Let me know what you think. If you're interested in doing something, really doing something about this, send me an email or inbox me. What I know is this is not about me. This is not about us. This is about what God has called us to do. It's ultimately about God and his kingdom. And the fact that we have to do something. The fact that we cannot bury our talents. So, let me know what you think. Um, share this. Share this message. If you're jumping in from here, go back and look for the first uh, uh, in the series. And go go down, you know, episode one, two, and to see, to see what you think. Maybe you learn something new. Maybe I'm off in some area. Let me know. Um, I am still learning. I, I am excited. I am passionate, but I'm still learning. But as I learn, I share what I find out. So, we have to learn to understand the time. What time is it? As Charlie Kirk said, the time is up in my view. In order for us to get things done, there's a price that has to be paid, but God has called us to be courageous. To wake up to the fact that we are at war, by all means. But also to be courageous. And with that being said, I'll end here for this episode. And I will see you in the next episode. Peace out.